0: Welcome to Playback by Playlister, the bi-weekly podcast where you can stay current on technology and leadership ideas that impact you. Here's today's host and Playlister CEO, Grant Glass. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Playback. On this week's episode, I'm very honored to have Senior Pastor Steve Poe. On the episode. Now, Steve is from Northview Church, uh, which is in Indianapolis, Indiana. And Steve, before coming to Indy uh, to join Northview, worked in the business world and served as the lead pastor for Caring First Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. Steve is married to his wife, Sandy, and they have two children and seven grandchildren. <laughs> that's pretty cool. We'll, we'll bookmark mm-hmm. that. I'm sure there's some fun stories there. And uh, Northview Church, so if uh, folks uh, listening aren't familiar, that is uh, uh, multiple locations here in Indy. And maybe that's a good place to start out, Steve. So tell us a little bit more about Northview Church.
1: Well, Northview Church was started by Tommy Payne back in 1980 in an elementary school uh, with 80 people. They moved to their first location in 1995. Uh, The pastor, uh, the founding pastor, died in 99, and that's when um, I came. I was pastor in Missouri and um, through a connection there, I ended up coming to Northview in 1999. And um, the church um, had struggled because of the pastor's illness, But then we uh, began to grow. 2007, we uh, launched into our first multi-site, which was a brand new strategy, a brand new concept in the country. There probably, I I don't know, there probably weren't uh, four or five other churches in the United States at that time that were doing multi-sites. And uh, we did that in uh, Greater Lafayette, Indiana, up in uh, where Purdue is at. And... uh, Since that time, since 2007, we've continued to grow, continue to use that strategy, and have grown to one church in 13 locations uh, with uh, over um, 11,500 in weekend attendance. And four of those those campuses are actually in prisons. And um, so that's kind of, in a nutshell, who we are.
0: Yeah, that's great. And to grow, uh, to have that kind of reach, I know, requires a lot from its leaders. And I'm always curious to understand the background of the leaders that are uh, helping folks on a day-to-day basis within their organization. So tell me a little bit about your background, Steve, because it seems like it has to be... Uh, a a solid mix of a lot of experiences in order to really truly grow a a vision like you've had across the state of Indiana. So your background, your personal mission, tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Well, my background, um, you know, I I felt a call in my life uh, as a teenager. I was um, saved as a teenager and I got involved with a, a Christian rock group and and we traveled a bit, and I felt the call of my life into ministry, but at the same time, I had this pull towards uh, this entrepreneurial spirit thing going on and and so I um, decided to um, put ministry off and do the entrepreneur thing and opened up several businesses um, and I did that for about ten years, um, just kind of putting God off, and then finally God got my attention and, and at the age of uh, twenty nine um, I went, uh, left the business world and went back or went into ministry. And um, so I really, in one way, I ran from God for 10 years, but at the same time, God certainly has taken advantage of what I learned during those 10 years to use that in ministry.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. So the entrep- I have a hypothesis, Steve, uh, and, and it's from church- talking to a lot of leaders in the church, is that uh, a senior pastor is in many ways, similar to a startup founder, CEO. And there's this kind of taboo, it's a taboo subject. Like you're running a church like a CEO. What I have found is that it's taboo, but we need to kind of peel that back, right? And I've got this, this talking point where I say, an entrepreneur, a CEO, they're all centered around people. And they provide a clear mission to those people around core values and that is really what the mindset of a leader is. So you got to take away the business aspect of it completely. Because it's... When somebody hears CEO, entrepreneur, they think like, oh, well, the, all they care about is like top-line revenue. Where, or or it, it, it's, they're thinking business, right? It's like, oh, they imagine Gordon Gecko in their head or something like that, where that's not the case at all. Uh, I think to be as successful uh, as an entrepreneur that you need to have that clear mission that's centered around people and with core values. Mm-hmm. And clearly, you've done that at Northview uh, with the ability to grow the congregation and have the tremendous impact that you've had because there are some really cool stories about how you do the Dollar Club and really have an impact on mm-hmm. families across Indiana. So maybe tell me a little bit about like your mission and the core values at your church and how how you've been able to have such a tremendous impact.
1: Well, obviously, I I think um, some of that um, attitude is judgmental because I think obviously what God is interested in is our heart. And I think that we need to use um, uh, whatever our gifts and talents are for the kingdom of God. And I certainly think we want to give God our best. And so I think God wants us to be organized. And as long as we're being directed and led by the Holy Spirit, um, that can be used um, uh, for the kingdom, for kingdom purposes. Um, you know, my heart, I, I'm, I would tell you, Grant, that I'm driven with a passion uh, for evangelism. Um, more than anything else, my heart is just to reach those that are far from Christ to reach those that are far from God. In fact, one of our values here at Northview is we will do anything short of sin to reach those that are far from God. And so we we constantly talk about it to our congregation. We talk about how important it is that that it's our responsibility, it's our obligation to reach people that are far from Christ, that it's not just the pastor, that if you're a believer, uh, you have an obligation uh, to reach those that don't know Jesus. And so. we constantly uh, talk about that value to our church. And of course, then um, uh, we talk about the importance of discipleship and, and training them up and teaching them uh, to reach those that are far from God. And so um, those are you know two of the things. Uh, our mission statement is uh, connecting people with God and connecting people with people. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what drives us is that we have a responsibility um, to build those relationships. You know, Grant, the the scriptures, uh, from beginning to end, people oftentimes tell me they don't understand the Bible. And I say, you know, um, there's a thread that runs through scripture from Genesis to Revelation, and that thread is relationship. And the Mm -hmm. scripture is all about our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. And um, so that really is um, what drives our mission statement.
0: Yeah, I was fascinated with the core values being a way to constantly talk to everyone at the church where it's, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong here. So the first spiritual growth, second is relationships, and the third is reaching out. And that's the third one you mentioned right there, all centered around people. And I'm sure when you're constantly repeating that, it will have a tremendous impact. I mean, you can see it. Uh, when you came on board one location. Now it's 13 locations. Now it's 10,000 people. And what does it take? Do you think, are you like constant? It seems like constant reminders of the core values and then finding scripture that matches with those core values. Tell us a little bit how how you think about communicating the core values uh, just week in and week out to everyone on your team and everybody in the congregation
1: well vision leaks you know and um so I <clears throat> you can share I, I every year i i share the entire vision of the church i just did a few weeks ago and um i do that because people get excited about it they get inspired about it but then as the year goes on people begin to forget exactly what it was and so I, it's important uh to con- to talk about it all the time um uh, to bring it to their attention all the time and remind them that this is what God's called us to do and so anytime there is an opportunity in a sermon um, to talk about core values or to talk about uh, what our what our mission is or to talk about what uh, our specific strategy is, um, we'll always take advantage of that. In fact, you know I even have staff, uh, they'll look at my message and if they might think of something I forgot about. And so they might point it out and say, well, this would be a great opportunity to talk about this or this would be a great opportunity to talk about children or, or teens or whatever.
0: Mm. And
1: so we try, to be, um, we try to be focused on uh, the strategy. We try to be focused on core values.
0: Yeah. One of the, there's a great book. I don't, you, I think Northview is actually familiar with this. It's called Sticky Faith, I believe. Uh, and the core value Ooh. I think of that book is centered around the, uh, versus spiritual growth, right? Um, And I I believe I've seen a sermon of yours where you talk about, you know, if your child uh, isn't growing, like physically, you take them to a doctor and spiritual growth should be thought of the same way. Uh, And then how to really properly incorporate that. So it's really cool to hear you say that a lot of your team members and staff, they think about how to apply core values because I'm constantly thinking when I'm inside of classrooms at churches all over the country is, How can we help the kiddos um, spiritually grow? Uh, And it really takes a team. It takes a village. Uh, And constantly reminding everybody of that is just so important. Well,
1: you know, obviously, when it comes to raising uh, your kids spiritually, the ultimate responsibility falls with parents. And um, it's not necessarily the church's job. It's the parent's job. And yet, at the same time, we want to come alongside parents and partner with them uh, to be as much help as we possibly can um, to get those, um, to get that spiritual training and teaching in their lives.
0: Yeah. And, and partnering with the parents um, is, is, is always a challenge. I'm a parent you know, I have a two and three year old. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you raised two kids and now you've got seven grandkids, correct? And <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. uh, you know, they <laughs> it's always okay. You know, what's today's challenge? I'm, I'm curious is in, uh, the kid ministry, uh, what like I, I know there are daily challenges with that, and then I'm sure just with all of the different locations, there's daily challenges with that. Uh, what are the what are the main challenges that you're seeing just day in and day out at at Northview t- today?
1: Oh gosh, uh, Grant, I, there's several, I, I guess, and I would say every church is probably struggling with the same type of things, but. Of course, as we have gone multi-site, uh, we have a lot of different buildings, and so I would probably say the number one challenge is building cost. Um, you know, I would say there's probably that that area slows us down uh, more than any other area. Uh, you can only um, you can really only go as fast as you can afford the building cost, and so we would grow even much faster if it weren't for that. So I, I think that's probably the, um, the number one challenge. And so we're continually looking for things that we might do in the future to help with that. So that's a challenge. Um, church attendance is a challenge in the church world today. It used to be that uh, people came to church at least three out of, you know, if they considered themselves active, they attended three out of four weekends a, a month. Uh, today, that's dropped to about two out of four, and in some cases, in some areas of the country, one out of four. Uh, so that's certainly a challenge because of, you know, there's so many kids' activities, and it used to be that uh, the secular world tried to avoid weekends or tried to avoid when people went to church, but now they don't. They do it at the same time. and So that's a challenge. Um, uh, probably the third challenge would be Bible. Bible illiteracy would probably be the third thing. Those are the three things I think I struggle with more than anything.
0: Mm. Now, I want to pull a thread there. So um, engagement and having your your message relevant, uh, which you've done a great job at. I I can attest to that. Um, It's getting harder and harder, I think, in modern society, where what place um, does the church have in the 21st century? And I think it has a very important, in my opinion, it has a very important place. And you can see, mm-hmm. and, and Steve, I'm going to kind of just uh, <laughs> give you some props here. What Steve has done with okay. the community is, here, here, here's here's what, in my opinion, Steve, you have kind of used your entrepreneurial roots to show how you can make a tremendous impact on the community. So if you can have that big of an impact where you can uplift lives, change lives, that is the place of the church in the 21st century because we're starting to see how government is failing us, uh, how normal infrastructure is failing to help Mm -hmm. communities, where now the church is in that spot. And if they really think about their core values and how they can impact the community in a very purposeful way, they can then transform the community. And you can actually go to Northview's website and see some of the stories. So if you go to Northview's website, you go to about and hit stories, you can start to see video stories about how Steve and his team are impacting the community in a very purposeful way. And to me, that's that is worth going every sunday to see how you can transform your community as a as a group as a big big team everybody in the city just comes in and can have that type of impact so all right that's it i'll get off i'll, I'll get off
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well thank you appreciate it yeah
0: that's that's really cool so uh now on that mention of church in the 21st century, I'm curious to hear from you, Steve. How do you see Northview and other similar churches evolving over the next couple of years?
1: Well, to go back right to that comment I made on, um, um, on the building cost, uh, one of the things that we're experimenting with right now in one of our locations is partnering with a daycare, uh, with mm-hmm. a pathways group. And uh, the idea would be that um, you know you have your building that you primarily use on the weekends, but it's not being used all that much during the week. And so I think that churches in the future are going to have to consider ways that they can partner with others in the use of their building to help pay building costs. Mm-hmm. And our our hope is is that uh, if this is successful, um, it'll help us to go further, faster. Um, if we don't have have to keep tying up all of our money in building costs, but we've got somebody else helping us with building costs, then we can uh, add more buildings quicker. And so that's what we're experimenting with. Um, we've got a, a group uh, learning a care group who has 900 day cares across the country. And they're very much interested in going into the church world. And so they're starting, uh, we're starting with them. We'll actually launch our first one um, at one of our locations here in just about six weeks. And um, the idea would be they pay us a percentage um, for using our facility. And yet they run the daycare. We don't have any involvement with that. So that's that's one of the ways that I can see in the 21st century is that churches are going to have to find partners with their building.
0: Yeah. Uh, that will
1: certainly help.
0: Yeah. I'm highly caffeinated right now, and you got me really excited because I, you <laughs> pointed out, Steve, one, one of the things I can think uh, fundamentally shifts everything about the United States and what needs to be improved in it right now. It's child care. So I've got two kids. Yeah. I pay and my wife and I are very blessed. We have two great jobs. yet yeah, We still struggle a little bit because we're paying in excess of $40,000 a year for childcare. And I well, you just, you, you read wall street journal, uh, USA today, and it talks about childcare costs. Now if the church Partners, the way you said, and helps uplift the community where the church can be a place to go with partners in the business world to help fix this systemic broken issue that the government has done nothing about. Uh, it can really transform lives. And you see, if you walk into Northview's church, I, I know, beautiful, um, been there countless times. Uh, the facilities for the cube are unbelievable. Unbelievable. The kiddos love it. And if you can do that in every community, create a safe place where moms, single moms, uh, you know, middle class, lower income folks can come bring their kids uh, and then come to church, man, that's a way to have a very powerful impact on the community. So this idea Steve has and has talked about, I think has the momentum to really catch up across the country and make a huge mm-hmm. impact just on the entire nation itself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. We're hopeful. Uh, we'll know, in fact, if it, if, it's fair, if it works for us in this one location, we will probably uh, start putting it in all of our locations uh, because, again, it'll help us to go uh, much further, faster um, because of the cost. And kind of in that same vein, uh, Grant, I think another... Uh, area would be um, church mergers or adoptions. Uh, we've just done our first uh, merger or adoption. And I think this is going to be um, very helpful and a solution to solve a lot of problems in the 21st century because, um, again, the average size church in the United States is 95 people. Well, when you're that small, uh, churches are spending the bulk of their budgets just to keep their building open. And so it just feels like uh, in, if the church world is going to be successful, we need to become larger. And so I think it's going to be helpful for churches to kind of join forces, to kind of merge together, partner together, uh, one larger church maybe to adopt another one. Uh, and that way, uh, you're not tying up all of your funds in building expenses. Um, but again, you can go further faster.
0: Yeah. Further, faster. And I'm going to validate what Steve said right there. So we had an interview with Jeremy O'Neill a couple of months ago, and he is the kids pastor at Sandals Church in California. And they take the same approach that Steve just mentioned, where uh, they're adopting churches at a rapid clip, and it helps them to go further, faster. And when you go further, Mm -hmm. faster, it's all about momentum. And this is kind of grant startup founder grant talking. When you've got momentum, <laughs> it's like a basketball game. If you got the momentum, you're going to win. And it's always push the momentum. Yeah. Push the momentum. Keep it going. And if you've got the momentum going, man, you can do some really, really special things. Really special things mm-hmm. that transform people's lives. So I'm rooting for you. I think a lot of people need to open mm-hmm. their eyes and start to understand how church can actually change for the better, the 21st century, in a really profound way. And it's through uh, strategies and ideas that we're discussing on today's podcast. So I'm really glad that you came on, Steve, and had an opportunity to talk to us a little bit. I'm going to put a bow on this conversation. This is the favorite question I ask to all my guests. I'm a huge bookworm. Um, Huge, huge, huge. And I I love a good book recommendation. And I know you guys actually at Northview provide a lot of reading to your staff, your team, your congregation. I mentioned Sticky Faith, which is a phenomenal book. Uh, Maybe tell me a little bit about what book do you recommend the most to people or what book do you go back to? And this can be open-ended fiction, nonfiction, uh, you name it. I'm curious. Lay it on me, Steve. I've got Amazon Key (laughs) heart right after we get done with this. (laughs)
1: Well, I'm I'm the same as you. I'm a big bookworm. I absolutely love to read. I have a big library. I've always got four or five books that I'm working on at the same time. And I just really, really enjoy reading. And so my favorite book is always the book I'm reading at the moment. Um, I just, uh, you know, you just keep moving on. I, I guess uh, probably my all-time favorite book and that's an even difficult statement to make because I've got so many, but uh, there is there was a book and it's an older book written by Gary Smalley called The Blessing. And uh, I absolutely love that book. I've pulled so many illustrations out of that book throughout the years and I have read it a couple times and um, just really enjoy that book. Um, probably more recent books that I, enjoyed a lot. And, uh, uh, one, I had my entire lead staff go through it together, uh, was by James White called the Rice of the Nuns. And, um, uh, which is just, he did an excellent job at capturing, um, the heart of what's happening in America with those that are just unchurched. And uh, mm-hmm. so I would, Recommend that that one, and then probably the last one I would mention is uh, Andy Stanley's book uh, Irresistible. I thought was yes. uh, really good. Didn't yes. didn't agree a hundred percent with everything Andy said, but uh, um, pretty much uh, pretty much most of it I did, and thought he just did an incredible job with it.
0: Yeah, the Andy Stanley book is fantastic. We actually, I had an opportunity to travel to uh, Catalyst West this year and see him speak at Mariners. And uh, what he is able to communicate, I think in the book, uh, and then anytime you have the opportunity to speak with him one-on-one is a a pragmatic, practical way about uh, approaching scripture uh, that I think really Mm -hmm. resonates. Some of it, like you said, um, I, I think is unique enough where it it, it merits discussion. And that's that's really, mm-hmm. I think, where he excels is you can play it safe, right? You can totally play it safe in a way mm-hmm. that uh, you would um, give your interpretation around something. Uh, and he does a fantastic job, I think, of really pushing people to push themselves. And again, going back to the momentum, yeah. like it starts inside of you and then it goes out to around the people around you. Uh, and that's where you have the biggest impact. So those are great book recommendations, the rising of the nun. Now I have not heard of that is, did I get that right? Rising of the nuns?
1: Yeah. You know, the nuns are the new category that, that are um, kind of out there today where you know, it came from the idea that when you, like, say, go into a, a doctor's office and they ask you the question, what's your religion, Methodist, Baptist, and the last blank is none. And um, 20, 25% of Americans are checking that box. And if that, were, if that were actually a religious affiliation, it would be the largest religious affiliation in America today. The majority of people are not against Christianity. They just don't participate in it. They don't have any knowledge of it. And so he kind of, um, that's, that's Barnett. George Barnett has talked a lot about it, uh, that organization. And it's just the idea that that is the fastest growing group in America today. Not atheists, not Christians, just groups that claim no religious affiliation whatsoever
0: you know, and I, I, me personally, in my opinion, I find that hard to believe because I think of those 25% of people, they just, there's so much baggage around certain words like religion, prayer. But I, I think everybody practices prayer every day, uh, regardless of, of your religion. That's just my personal opinion. And you could say, no, Grant, not everybody really practiced prayer. And I, I know, Steve, uh, you've done a lot of, great things around just talking about the importance of prayer. And we're sure. going to just kind of talk about this for a moment, because I think it's really, really important. There's a great book uh, and I'm spacing on the name of it right now. And I think it's the, the power of prayer. I might come back to it, uh, but it's actually by um, uh, a heart surgeon and he is not religious at all. And he found that his nurses uh, were praying in the ICU for people. And he was really interested about it. So he started to do a study. And it it was a study where he saw the patients in the ICU that uh, had prayer performed on, like prayer for them, and the ones that didn't. And he started to notice the ones that were getting prayers uh, were recovering fast, doing better. Uh, And the whole book talks about how he actually went through and then uh, had several case studies done and he saw the power of prayer actually worked. And he started to believe and became very religious and talked about how uh, he felt like doctors that did not have the power of prayer and talked about prayer um, were uh, doing a disservice. It was almost malpractice uh, to not Mm. perform that. And he, 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 his general statement was prayer can also be thought of as a form of meditation. And a lot of people do meditate during the day. They close their eyes, they clear their mind. Uh, and that's where you can interpret that in different ways. And the power of prayer, I think would apply to going back to your, you know, the, the rise of the nuns is like, well, they, they, it's just that they haven't had the impact. They haven't, gotten the momentum from the community. they haven't felt it yet. So it goes back to your mission of keeping up the momentum so you can engage with those people around us to reach out and bring those people in to talk about, you know, here's how you can make an impact. Uh, So I applaud you for trying to, you know, of your core value, reaching out, um, teaching your staff about all these great books and boy, uh, it's been a pleasure, Steve, talking to you. Thank you so, so much and spending the time and uh, sharing yeah. your words of wisdom with us.
1: No, I've really enjoyed it, Grant. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and, and to talk to your audience. And I believe in the local church. I believe, you know, it's been said for many years, but I believe the local church is the hope of the world. And I think we have to work together to figure out how to make it better. Um, because it's, I think it's the last hope.
0: Yeah. So I'll put, Steve, all the book recommendations in the uh, show notes. Uh, we really appreciate the time. And if you're listening from Indiana, I encourage you to go into Northview, uh, see Steve, talk to his team, because they're making a tremendous impact on the community. Thank you, Steve, so much for everything that you do day in and day out. We are very appreciative thank of uh, just the, the the team here in Indiana. So thank you so much. Uh, pleasure having you. We'll see you. see you.
1: Thank you, Grant.
0: All right. Bye now. For more ideas or to simply learn more about today's podcast, visit us online at www.playlister.app/forward/slash/podcast.